mystery in our history. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to the Mystery in Our History podcast, where we take an in-depth look at all things urban legend and conspiracy theory related, and how they came to be. I'm J.R. Supa, and joining me as always is Chris Berry. Hello, you lovely people. So on this episode, we are going to be talking about one of the biggest yet very um, under-the-radar conspiracy theories that are out there today, which is the Mandela Effect. And I know that this is one of Chris's all-time favorites as far as conspiracy theories go yeah i love it it's just a lot it's just a lot going on with this one it's all over the place yep so i have uh i have my black cherry claw ready to go and uh let's get started (laughs) are you sponsored (laughs) we're not sponsored yet okay nope i'm I'm trying though plugging plugging those claws baby (laughs) (laughs) all right so the mandela effect in and of itself is not actually a conspiracy theory, um, but it spawns them. So in reality, the Mandela effect refers to a phenomenon in which a large number of people share false memories of past events, referred to as uh, confabulation in psychiatry. The Mandela effect is unique because it sparks conspiracy theories across multiple topics. And that is, it's not centralized on one thing, like aliens or the moon landing possibly being fake. Um, It's actually just a slew of different theories about what causes this particular phenomena, ranging from timelines colliding, people shifting timelines subconsciously, the matrix running out of memory, uh, reality being altered from an outside source, or um, uh, countless other things. Yeah, and it also varies how drastic, um, basically, the memory is uh, that's different. Sometimes it's something as simple as just, like, how something is spelled. Other times it's, like, a a line in a movie, uh, location of where something is, or just a famous person's death. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally theorize that it's it's timelines colliding, but that's just my own little personal theory in there. And that's, yeah, so, like, as Chris mentioned... um, so we will eventually be doing an episode on JFK, and JFK um, is wrapped up in the Mandela effect because there are some people that think there were four people in the car when JFK was assassinated, and some people say there were six people in the car when JFK was assassinated. So that's, that's one of those false memory examples, and we're going to get into a slew of, of a bunch of them here. Um, But let's get into, first, how this all kind of started. So in 2010, a blogger, Fiona Broom, coined the term the Mandela Effect to describe a collective false memory she discovered at the DragonCon convention, where many others believe that former South African president Nelson Mandela died during his imprisonment in the 90s. Jesus, dude. First of all, DragonCon. Like, like this is where this was born, so it's already a bad start. But uh, that's one strike against it. <laughs> exactly, I feel that. But it's funny because like uh, people this day still swear by this. They still mm-hmm. actually think he died in prison serving his term. Yeah. Um, and it's just crazy because, like you said, it's a whole collective of people, not just like one small group. It's just like right. Well, and that's she found that like thousands of people believed the same thing. And what's crazy is that, like, 
Well, what's crazy is the fact that it was taking place at Dragon Con. Because <laughs> <laughs> now, my question is: Dragon Con like um, Comic Con? Like, do people cosplay as dragons? Like, I didn't do the research on what Dragon Con is, so I have no idea. I'm asking you. I'm deferring to our in-show expert on cosplay, Chris Barry. That's that's fair. Um, so, <laughs> Dragon Con, I actually don't know what it is either. But if I had to guess, it's either a D&D convention or a furry convention. So, it's one of the two. <laughs> Either way, it's good. <laughs> I so badly hope it's a furry convention. <laughs> they only dress as dragons. Yeah, just dragon furries. That'd be great. Are they still furries at that point? Scalies? Scalies. Ooh, I like that. Coin that. That's done. <laughs> Anywho. That's, I think that's a new record for uh, fastest tangent that we've gone on in a, in a podcast. <laughs> For those of you who have lived under a rock your entire life, Nelson Mandela was a South African anti-apartheid revolutionary, political leader, and philanthropist. Philanthropist. Already. This is the fastest I've started stuttering, too. And not Who's, like Charlie Day would say, a full-on rapist. A f- <laughs> He's a philanthropist <laughs> who served as president of South Africa from 1994 to 1999. That is historical fact, which means he could not have died in prison in the 90s. He was the country's first black head of state and first elected in a fully representative democratic election. During his attempts to end apartheid, he was arrested and imprisoned in 1962, and he was released in 1990. It's And that is true. That is according to events how it how it happened uh it should be noted however that he did indeed die on december 5th 2013 and uh after his death it started another wave of mandela effect um people started to question was this death a hoax we already thought he was dead he died in prison in in 1991 but you could kind of see how that doesn't add up um seeing how he was already out of prison uh by 91 but there's there's this group of people who just forgot that he like existed and when the news broke oh nelson mandela Mandela dies you know in 19 in, in 2013 people are like wait a minute what because he's already dead right because for some mandela died in prison and for others mandela became president of south africa it's something that people remember happening seeing the funeral listening to his wife give a speech or a eulogy um all of it and then people start noticing these false memories um in other things and that's what we're going to dive into now yeah, and, and there's a lot of Mandela effect to unpack, basically. I'm excited to brush up on this one. Obviously, we can't cover all of them because there's like a thousand of them. There's so but, many. Uh, so, so many. But yeah, it's a big rabbit hole if mm-hmm. you ever wanted. Yeah. Yep. And we're going to have a lot of links um, that we're going to discuss. And we're going to put all those links in the YouTube description for everybody who's watching or listening. Um, it'll be on the YouTube page. Now, the most... Uh, arguably the most famous, but definitely the most debated and widely discussed topic in the Mandela effect is the Berenstein versus Berenstain bears, because it's essentially the premise for the main uh, conspiracy theory behind the Mandela effect, which is the multiverse. 
Yeah. And this is the one I believe the most because, like, I grew up on these books, man. Like, I feel like I would have remembered, but I guess that's what we all say when it mm-hmm. comes to Mandela Effect. So it's like... Correct. So the Berenstein Bears, We Are Living in Our Own Parallel Universe, is an article written about this particular theory back in 2012. And in the article, the... Um, the writer deep dives into the theory that multiple universes have collided, but not in a major way, which is causing the melding of the two Berenstein, Berenstain, Bears universes. Now, the author goes into a bunch of really weird math to try to explain it, but we're not going to get into all of that. It's not like the, uh, the ancient aliens where I <laughs> read that ridiculous long <laughs> explanation of the lunar calculator. Um, but that we was will, cool though, man. yeah. Well, I, that's, it was really cool. This guy's a quack, but that other stuff was yeah. really interesting. But we are going to post a link in the YouTube video description. So if you want to read the article, knock yourself out. Interestingly enough, though, this particular theory is also a central theme in Stephen King's The Dark Tower series, and that was written way before 2010 when the Mandela effect was kind of coined. So I just I thought it was kind of interesting that like this premise of multiple universes kind of colliding in on each other was around living in Stephen King's mind. And then it became essentially the main conspiracy theory for the Mandela effect. Yeah. And and, um, this also falls into the same realm of I I don't know if you ever heard of this one, but uh, the time traveler or the, the guy who hopped timelines who came from another dimension who claimed that he had a Beatles record from in his timeline. The Beatles never broke up. John Lennon never died. Um, and they kept making music and he had, he had on him music from the Beatles. Hmm. Um, but that was, that was a proven hoax. Uh, they basically deconstructed the music and it was just spliced together. Other Beatles songs. He was so. just a crazy person. <clears throat> yeah. So again, like those equations, the proof here, like right. to the average Joe, it just looks like rambling, you know? Yeah. I'm sure there's something there, but right. Well, and um, like we said, you know, the Berenstein Bears are probably the most popular. And there's a lot of kind of proof, if you will, out there to support this particular theory. Um, everything from tapes that have both spellings on the titles um, to, to stuffed animals that have both names on the tags. Like, the, and we'll... we'll put those on youtube we have those pictures as well so you'll see them on the screen um but i actually have here a stack you can see this many berenstein bears books right and i these are all my wife's because she's a hoarder um and when she handed these to me she said oh these are spelt differently than i thought I can confirm that. I heard it. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> yeah. It's because they are spelled the Baron Stain Bears. Yeah. Every single one of them. Baron Stain. Baron Stain Bears and the Bad Habit. The Baron Stain Bears get stage fright. The Baron Stain's Bears go out for the team. It's a baseball one. But they're all <laughs> they're all Baron Stain Bears. But there are plenty of photos and and proof out there that say berenstein yeah and and this is the only one that i've seen that has solid like 
printed mm-hmm. like actual like legit merchandise that has the two different spellings on it yep. um other mandela effects where it's something like it's like um you know you thought something was uh, spelt a different way it's usually just like a newspaper uh misspelling it's just poor editing from right. the well, newspaper they spelt it wrong yeah i mean i think the biggest one like that is um like the oscar meyer one yep and i, I don't i don't think we get into that i, I haven't I don't can't remember. I I made the it's outline. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's in there for sure. It's but towards yeah, the end. So, but yeah. yeah, but that's one that's like, is it M A Y E R M E Y E R? And it's like, don't be stupid. It's in the song. <laughs> right, right. And and a lot of people's like argument being like, oh well, it was different in the past. Is like a grocery store flyer mm-hmm. where it's typed out by the grocery store. It's not even right. typed out. And you can yeah, and, on the packaging. And then you can see the packaging where it's just like, no, this is how it's actually spelled. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, but there are also quite um, there's also quite a few others that kind of support this theory and feed this conspiracy theory of um colliding universes one of which is um august Rodin's the thinker and it's where is his hand is it on his forehead or his chin is his hand closed or if it is it a fist now if you're listening and you're upset that we're even asking these questions that's the point because you may be screaming one thing saying that it's a closed fist on his chin and someone else is screaming that it's a closed fist or an open fist on his forehead. Right. Yeah, this is a good one. And uh, it gets me excited when we come across this one because this one's another heavily argued one. Mm-hmm. And again, this one has historical evidence of yep. both. Well, and that's – this is the interesting one. This is a, a, a interesting one for me because um, of multiple reasons. The first of which is that Rodin himself – describes the thinker in a direct quote what makes my thinker think is that he thinks not only with his brain with his knitted brow his descended nostrils his compressed lips but with every muscle of his arms back legs and his clenched fist and gripping toes so in there right there you hear or you you see Rodin says clenched fist so you would assume Mm -hmm. it is a fist and, you know, again, we're posting all pictures and stuff on YouTube, but we'll also kind of describe them for you if you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud. So we have pictures. And all of these pictures are imit- are people who are quote-unquote imitating the thinker. Yet you can see in the picture, right? You see a picture of the thinker, and his fist is clearly on his chin. But all of these people that are imitating him have their hand on their forehead and not their chin so why is that right are are they just stupid which is a complete possibility um or do they actually see the thinker differently because of this whole multiverse colliding concept yeah that's i mean that's kind of where my theory is right the the picture the picture exists but it was taking with on a different timeline basically where the thinker has his hand on his forehead then after the shift, the picture still exists because you were still there that day, but everything in the picture has changed, mm-hmm. right? So you're making the same pose. You haven't changed the right. statue itself. Um, right. And, is the theory anyway. and to elaborate a little more on this particular multiverse theory, 
so essentially the theory of two universes colliding um because in the multiverse there are it let's say we have multiverse a and multiverse b or universe a and universe b so we have earth a now chris and i live on earth a and on earth a our thinker has his hand on his chin and it's closed now we collide with universe b and universe b their thinker has the hand or the fist on his forehead so what happens when two universes collide according to this theory is, is that it's like highlander they can only be one so once the universes collide either earth a chris or earth b chris will be left now if earth b chris is left all of a sudden earth b chris is going to say no thinker has his hand on his forehead and earth one jr earth a jr is saying no it's on his chin and that's what essentially sparks this mass confusion or false memory because we're in we're assuming we're in our universe but our universes are different yeah i agree yeah yeah exactly that's that's pretty much spot on on that and it's it's a little far-fetched and it's kind of hard to fathom but that is the actual conspiracy or the actual theory behind this particular um conspiracy so now george bernard shaw who was an irish playwright opened uh numerous doors for a young photographer alvin simon and theodore no alvin langdon colburn (laughs) colburn um when he arrived in england in 1904 with the ambition uh with the ambitious idea of making photographic portraits of all of the celebrities of the day so shaw introduced Coburn to Rodin, whom he knew very well, having posed for a bust modeled by that sculptor. So in 1906, the photographer and the writer attended the unveiling of the thinker, and on the way home, Shaw suggested that Coburn make a nude portrait of him. Saucy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, it's just an excuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But in the same pose as the sculpture of the thinker thereby launching a genre that would actually become very popular in the 20th century. But the interesting thing is, the picture is of Shaw posing with his fist on his forehead. And this was a very respected playwright, clearly not an idiot. So why did he pose differently? He was there when it was unveiled. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, again, what did he see? Or, Or, you know... It just really makes you think. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, I'm going to bring up the... I found a YouTube video for an IBM commercial from... What was it? Like, it was early 90s, late 80s? Late 80s, that? early 90s. Yeah, it was It was a very early... I remember this commercial. It was a very early um, computer. It was, like, one of the most advanced things for its day, but it had, like, 500 megabytes of, of hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> Which is laughable today. I but. Know. Oh my god! But uh, yeah, in that in that commercial, it shows the thinker with this hand, not really exactly on his head, but more on the side, almost like yeah. this. It was, and it's um, like, and and I can't imagine, because the crazy thing is, is like you look at, um, is it copyright laws? I don't know if it's copyright laws, but like certain books, like you can just have for free, 
because mm-hmm. they were yep. they were written before a certain time, right? Like public remember, domain. Yep. Remember when eminent domain? That's is it eminent domain? No, it's just domain. Public. Public, public domain, domain. Thank you. Eminent yep. domain is when you're trying to get land. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which you turn. What do you do for a living? Yeah. <laughs> um, pu- public domain. Thank you. So, like, there are books and music as well. That's all public domain because they were before a certain time. And I don't think it even applies to art. And if it does, 1906 was before public domain. So it wouldn't be that IBM was trying, like, purposely had to alter the thinker, if you will. But they also, like, didn't get an exact replica of it for this commercial. And they pumped it out on like a conveyor belt of like a, a mass production kind of thing. So I don't know what prompted them to do that. Or, you know, if, if they just said, this is how we want it. Somebody sketched it for them and said, here's a sketch of the thinker, make this in a, in a easily reproduced model or, or however they did it. But it was not an exact replica of the thinker, which wouldn't make sense to me because it's not like you're paying Rodin to use the thinker so the only two things i can think of is in it's your favorite word it's it's uh residue of of another timeline (laughs) fucking residue (laughs) you know i had to squeak that in there but i know i really hate that term (laughs) i hate it that that term gives me the same visceral reaction as the m word oh what what word is that i'm not saying it out loud it's it's when something is not dry Mm. don't say it i won't don't be Um, that guy (laughs) but but my other my other theory is just maybe maybe those are like fuck up rodents and they got them for cheap for the commercial since it's on a conveyor belt who knows yeah i mean yeah um okay so next example of the mandela effect and universes colliding collide colliding colliding was um actually very very recent in I want to say May of 2018, so it's the uh, Yanni versus Laurel debate. So one of the most recent examples in history, in in our history, of this theory. Um, but instead of the debate being about what people are seeing, it became about what people are hearing. So the mixed recording of Yanni vs. Laurel was created by students who played the sound of the word Laurel, as in a laurel wreath, while re-recording the playback amid background noise in the room. The audio clip of the main word Laurel originated in 2007 from a recording of J. Aubrey Jones, an opera singer, who spoke the word Laurel as one of 200,000 reference pronunciations produced and published by Vocabulary.com in 2007. The clip was made at Jones's home using a laptop and a microphone with surrounding foam to help the soundproof recording. The discovery of the ambiguity phenomenon is attributed to Katie Hetzel, a 15-year-old freshman at the time, at Flowery Branch High School near Atlanta, Georgia, who posted a description publicly on Instagram on May 11, 2018, and the illusion reached further popularity when the student's friend posted it on Reddit the next day, which where everything goes to get blown up yeah. <laughs> and, Absolutely. Cri- and criticized. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. To death, yeah. usually. 
<laughs> uh, it was picked up by YouTuber Chloe Feldman on her Twitter account, and the rest is um, soon forgotten history. Yeah, I think I was taking a nap when this happened because I honestly don't really remember a whole lot of it. Um, and honestly, it was I don't huge have for like a week. It was yeah. it's, it was essentially um, the equivalent of like the the Popeyes chicken Chick Fil A Wendy's chicken sandwich battle of 2019. Yeah. It lasted for the, about the same amount of time. The blue or the yellow dress shit that was going around, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I just chalked it. I just chalked this one up to like different octaves. People here in different ranges. I like because my hearing is absolute dog shit, and like I hear Yanni when they say it. <laughs> See, and I hear Laurel. Yeah, it's and just it, but it, it has it. There is a a I'm sure a scientific um. There is a scientific explanation for it. Um, however, you know, it, it depends on really you. Um, now for the, for the, for the 10 people or nine now that Chris has heard about it, um, (laughs) that haven't heard it yet, um, we have a clip of it that we're going to play for you now. And so you can see for yourself, it's just going to be a couple seconds. Laurel, 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 Laurel. Yeah, I mean, you hear Laurel. I do. I mean, yeah, I just hear, I just hear Yanni. Yeah. So it's weird. And you know, you might hear whoever you know, whoever's out there listening in Radioland. But that's another one. So, jumping from that one, we're gonna go to. Um, a very quick one, which is Looney Tunes versus Looney Tunes. And that is T-O-O-N-S versus T-U-N-E-S. So in writing, it's Looney Tunes, meaning whenever you see it in newspapers or commercials or, or advertisements when, when Looney Tunes were, you know, first, or not necessarily first, but back in the day when TV wasn't as big. Um, it's T-O-O-N-S. But if you look at Looney Tunes, meaning the logo, it's T-U-N-E-S. And here's the kicker. So if one of my favorite movies, one of everybody's favorite movies of all time, Space Jam. Yeah, classic. The the Toon Squad was T-U-N-E Squad. Not T-O-O-O-O-O-O-O. O O N squad. One too many O's. I just figured I'd keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not at that point? Yeah, it's just, you know, ride it, ride the lightning. Yeah. Um, That's just another one where I would just like argue. See, at first, it's just like I would argue it's just a typo in the newspaper or. or but it's everywhere. Know. It's like every yeah, newspaper. Exactly. Even though my heart wants it to be T O N S because it makes more sense. They're cartoons, right. they're loony cartoons, but. Uh, yeah, that I just want to remember what I want to remember kind of right. thing. Well, and here's the other thing, too, is what I don't understand, and you brought this up, and it, it made a lot of sense. If it's Looney Tunes, T-U-N-E-S, why the hell is the spinoff Tiny Toon Adventures, T-O-O-N? 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's the other one, too. And that's why I think it's potentially a Mandela effect in place. Because why would you call the spinoff something different? You would want to use T-U-N-E-S to keep it consistent. Right. Also, the fact that there's no S on Tiny Toon it's weird. is another it's Mandela thing, yeah. in itself. Yeah. Because I always thought it was Tiny Toons. Yeah, me too. 100%. Yeah, and you can find you can find it spelled that way on the internet. Uh, oh, here I mean, and there you can, you can find everything on the internet. Even Beyonce's yeah. stupid picture that she wanted taken down is still there. God, I love that picture. <laughs> it's the greatest. That's such ever. a good picture. Ugh. All right, so we are going now to dive headfirst into Chris's favorite part of the multiverse theory in the Mandela Effect, which is the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, you know I live for this one, man. Come on. <laughs> I'm ready. All right. So there are a couple of videos and multiple pictures that are taken from different angles that seem to suggest the Statue of Liberty changes location depending on who's taking the picture. Then there are some pictures that suggest the Statue of Liberty isn't even there at all. So, yes. Um, basically, the theory here is that the Statue of Liberty is on liberty island like that's not a theory that's just fact right right that's that's where it lives it's located um however i had never have heard of this island until i was researching the mandela effect and i had always thought it was ellis island that held the statue of liberty um now you could just sum that up to me just being like uneducated not paying attention to school yada yada you know because i wasn't i wasn't the greatest student but i also wasn't the worst student either i mean Uh, I, i consider myself a fairly educated relatively smart guy i probably if somebody said where's the statue of liberty located before we did the research for this i might have said ellis island right right well i actually asked you before we did this episode and and that was your answer that's right Um, i remember that yeah and exactly it's just so weird because there are lifelong new yorkers as well that have account you know that you can see them online and everything who swear the statue of liberty has always been on ellis island Mm -hmm. now these are people born in new york and have lived there their whole life they know that place like the back of their hand so the thing that's odd here is that there's tons of evidence suggestion suggesting um basically that the island was once on ellis island um and it's funny because there's 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 proof there's uh old 1900s literature old 80s movies and nudes news broadcasts that show it right behind the twin towers yeah um you know yeah, it's it, it's it's like location kind of changes depending on where you are and we have um you know we'll, we'll show you pictures and stuff of of what we're talking about and there's also a, a video um that's that pretty we'll, that we'll put a link to that's you know it's it's only like a, a minute and a half or something like that but um it yeah essentially like if you look at it there's a couple pictures out there that if you look at ellis island the the big building on ellis island like the immigration building or the ellis island museum whichever whatever the big building on ellis island is um you can see the statue of liberty like right behind it and then you like switch perspectives and someone's taking the picture from the statue of liberty and it looks like ellis island is like in another freaking country it's so far it's so weird yeah well the the last one that i think is very suspect is facebook tags everyone's tagging where they're going these days you know oh yeah i gotta show everybody online that i was at the statue of liberty i want to tag myself here whatever um 
Oh God, my old man is showing. Uh, <laughs> there's so many pictures of people standing in front of Ellis Island mm-hmm. on the on the mainland of New York, tagged at the Statue of Liberty, but there's nothing in the water behind them, and right. they're all pointing and, and posing in front of it. Yeah. But but why would they be posing in front of just yeah those pictures open are water? Those pictures are really yeah. weird. Well, so and there's it, there's the pictures too where like they're on Liberty Island and the Statue of Liberty just isn't there. Right. Right. It's it's just so weird. It, it looks like the statue was taken out of the pictures, mm-hmm. and it's a and rabbit it hole that goes yeah. deep. It goes deep. There, yeah. I could go well, on forever about this. Well, I mean, so let's let's crawl into the rabbit hole a little bit because, on top of the fact that, like, depending on where the picture's taken, and, and the Statue of Liberty kind of changes its um, location and, and perception and all that kind of stuff. There's also the torch. Right. So like that's Mm -hmm. a huge thing, too. Some people claim to have been up in the torch recently, while others claim the torch has been closed and no one is allowed to go up there. I remember never. I remember going on a field trip when uh, maybe fifth grade. I don't know. We went to New York City Mm -hmm. and we went to the Statue of Liberty and we were not allowed to go into the torch. Not allowed to go. Like I, it's firmly planted in my mind that like you can't go into the torch. See, I've never been, so I, I don't I don't know. But um, you can find numerous of people who have uh, they're bump basically they're commenting online, being like, "Oh, it's such a bummer you can't go in there anymore. It's under construction, mm-hmm. this, that, and the other." But these people are talking about going into the torch in the eighties, nineties. Yeah, um, there's and, people who like can... Pano from the torch. Right, exactly, and and you could find pictures from the torch. Mm-hmm. Um, you could find people posting on um, there online. Is, I mean, there's basically a, there's a torch cam on the Statue of Liberty too that you like. You can just yep. go into and just like see a view from the torch. But from to my knowledge, you can't get up there. Yep, there's uh there's Twitter accounts out there. I mean, you gotta dig for them, but there's Twitter accounts out there of people in the torch taking pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, if you dig for it, you can find people in the torch which is suspect because it's been closed. Right. And not a lot of people know why it's been closed. Well, we're going to talk about that right now. Right. So the reason why the torch has been closed, here's the same thing that we kind of got into, right? So where's, what's the historical evidence of which universe is right? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So the Black Tom explosion was uh, the Black Tom explosion was an act of sabotage by German agents to destroy U.S. made munitions that were to be supplied to the Allies in World War One. The explosion, which occurred on July 30th, 1916, in the New York Harbor, destroyed some $22 million worth of military goods. That's a lot of money back then. That's Big money yeah. back then. Hell yeah. And so this incident, which happened prior to the U.S. entry into World War One, was also famously damaged the Statue of Liberty. It's considered one of the largest artificial non-nuclear explosions to have ever occurred. The term Black Tom originally referred to an island in New York Harbor next to Liberty Island. The island was artificial, created by landfill around a rock of the same name which had been a local hazard to navigation. So they just made it an island, which makes sense. 
but fragments from the explosion traveled long distances, some lodging in the Statue of Liberty and some in the clock tower of the Jersey Journal building in Journal Square over a mile away, stopping the clock at 2.12 a.m. The damage to the Statue of Liberty was estimated to be $100,000, which in today's money is $2.3 million, and included damage to the skirt and torch. So ever since then, the torch has been closed. But I, So my question is, do you remember ever hearing about this in school? The thing about that is I never learned it in school, and in fact, only learned about it two months ago when we started researching this Mm -hmm. and went what 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 i never um, heard about this whatsoever you you learn about so much about the the first and second world war now granted world war ii way more in-depth discussion when you're in school but yeah this is something that took place prior to our involvement in world war one what's the most famous thing in world war ii if you're an american Pearl Harbor. Right. We weren't involved in the war yet. That's what got us into World War II, which is in and of itself, I think, is a conspiracy because they said that they knew about the attack and blah, blah, blah. And we'll get into (laughs) that in another episode as well. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the same thing. Like, this is history almost repeating itself. And I never heard about this in school. Don't recall any of this. I've again, like I said, didn't even didn't even know about it until a couple months ago. And mm-hmm. the weirdest thing, and and don't quote me on this because I only read it online, and, and you know how that goes, reading something online and taking it for it's always word. true. It's always true. Yeah, internet never but lies. I, I was reading that this was one of the first documented um, terror attacks on U.S. soil. That makes sense. Yeah. I again, I don't know if that's absolutely true or not, but um, no, I mean, I, I don't. Know. It I could check think, out. I can't think of anything else. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, I'm in, and foreign terrorism, like domestic terrorism, is a totally different avenue that, to go down. But right. as far as revolutionary force, foreign, war right. and and civil war, yeah. But yeah, foreign so. terrorism, I, I would assume that it's right. Yeah, it's. I don't know. But so that is a broad um, look into the multiverse theory behind the Mandela effect. Now, another theory that is um, thrown about is kind of ties into the multiverse theory, but it's it's actually much more uh, religious and astrological. And so that is the uh, biblical blood moon tetrid. This one loses me, man. So uh, it, I'm going to let you take the reins. It, it loses me too, um, but... We have to talk about it because it is something that is kind of accepted in yeah. in the Mandela effect theories. Um, oh yeah. yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. This guy's a, a friggin' idiot. But anyway, so according to this crackpot, the blood moon tetrad falling on four Jewish holy days marks the beginning of the apocalypse. And the evidence given is one of previous biblical tetrads resulting in significant human events. Now, we're going to give you the link to this um, on YouTube. You feel free to watch all seven or ten minutes of it, whatever it is. Um, I I think the cliff notes here should suffice, but knock yourself out. 
Um, so essentially, these significant human events include uh, Columbus discovering the Americas and the Jews being removed from Sicily during the Spanish Inquisition, uh, Jerusalem being returned to Israel after the Six-Day War, Israel being declared a nation um, for the first time in like 2,000 years or something like that, the Dead Sea and the Dead Sea Scrolls being discovered. Like all of these took place uh, in accordance with a blood moon, a biblical blood moon tetrad, meaning the blood moons fall on four Jewish holy days in in like the same year or over the over the four days. It's kind of like um, it's not like a career grand slam. It's like an actual grand slam where you get everything in the same year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't it doesn't count over time. So my big problem with this whole thing is that he's using Bible verses in this video to kind of prove his points. And unfortunately, um and uh, plenty of people will disagree. I'm sure, but the Bible's not a reliable source. Sorry to tell you. Um, for starters, yeah. you can use the Bible to justify some pretty fucked up shit, like killing women with rocks for nothing, really nothing. Uh, condemning gays, uh, neither of which of those two things is really cool. <laughs> yeah, you know it's what I a mean? book that's it's a book that's meant to be interpreted however you take it. <sighs> right. And if unfortunately, if you're a, a raging bastard of a human being, you're gonna interpret it like a piece literally. of shit that yeah. you are. You interpret it literally, uh, <laughs> and you ruin other people's lives as a result. Yeah. So, is it a conspiracy? Yes. Is this guy probably a complete wackaloon? My vote's yeah, huh? <laughs> probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, I, I got to admit, I'm pretty blind when it comes to religious things and conspiracy. Now, I didn't grow up with religion at all. Um, right. So it all seems like a conspiracy to me. Not to say that it's not legit. And, and you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, you know, it, you're wrong if you believe in religion. I believe right. to each their own. And you know what? As long as you're doing something positive with it, have well, at it. As, as someone who spent 16 years in Catholic school... Um, mm -hmm. growing up, right? So from two years old to 18 years old, I was in Catholic school. There are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of loopholes. It, yes. It, like, all and... you got to do is pay attention, and there's so many loopholes. And that's the thing. So, like, if you talk to anybody who has any kind of a brain that's involved with the Catholic or the Christian church, right, they're the first person to tell you, like, this is a book it's historical in essence right and, and it, in its essence it is a historical account of things that happened but at the same time it's meant to um be a guide but not be law right, if that makes right. sense you know what i mean so like it's it's a moral guide but it's not just something that you take verbatim like you should not be stoning people to death. Right, right. Or you know, you're not going to hell for getting a tattoo, pal. Like, right, it's... exactly. So that is, and like that's that's the thing is, there's a lot of spiritual leaders and advisors out there. I know a few of them that are just great human beings, um, mm -hmm. and and they're they they're happy to discuss and debate and you know they they don't shove it down your throat and it makes perfect sense like when you explain it a certain way it makes a lot of sense but for sure when you're using it 
to be a crackpot and and say like the apocalypse is nigh because of the bible it doesn't work and not only that but this guy jumps from bible to astrology just to try and like make it fit just two conflicting things right he's just like oh this is this is god and this is why it's happening and then oh libra because libra (laughs) yeah (laughs) she's like wait what god talk about taking a leap right so again take it with a grain of salt this guy is uh in my opinion full shit um i do think it's interesting because i think this video i have to double check okay so it was posted in 2014 this this particular video right so (laughs) but oh my god (laughs) (laughs) anyway it was posted in 2014 and what makes it interesting is that um because he's he's justifying the apocalypse remember the apocalypse was supposed to happen 12 20 12 or 12 21 yes. 12 or whatever it was right yes we were, I do. We were yeah. all supposed to die mm-hmm. that's when the blood moon tetrid started he's saying that it's it's the start of the apocalypse in other words that date was just a significant date meaning it's the beginning of the end it's not a set date it's just now there's events that are going to unfold and blah 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 but hey we're all still here and with the exception of like global warming and trump being in the white house it ain't that bad hey man like <laughs> listen we're uh we're seven years in and uh we're all just waiting at this point man mm-hmm. so it is what it is but you know do what you want with it um conspiracy three and this is this is my favorite of all these conspiracies because I, I think it's the most fun. However, I will say as a Stephen King fan, um, I think multiverse is, is the most believable. If you're not a skeptic, I, I personally don't really buy into the whole multiverse or, or really any of these theories, but it's still really interesting stuff to me. And I know it's this is like Chris's favorite thing on the planet. So, um, but this conspiracy really it's just one question is there something even more complex going on and this particular theory has a bunch of different um kind of subcategories the first is is quite possibly my favorite because it's just the matrix is the matrix is real and it's failing yep you're gonna see a lot of (laughs) a lot of double black cats out there that deja vu (laughs) I think some glitch. that's that's like the best theory to me. It's it's so funny because like I love those movies, but like when you think about oh, it, fun. if the Matrix is real and it's failing, then the code is getting corrupted, but it's not a massive breakdown, right? So right. people are just gonna remember or see things differently because the code's just corrupted for some people, right? Exactly. So I thought, I think that one's kind of the most fun. Um, the other option, it's certainly goofy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, another theory is extraterrestrial interference, and as we discussed back in our alien series, a common theory about aliens is that they were here to study us, and perhaps some of them 
weren't actually aliens at all, but rather they were time travelers um, that are here trying to keep us from wiping ourselves out. And if that's the case, it would kind of make sense that they would want to perform some minor experiments to see how it alters the timeline before doing anything drastic. But that's also kind of a little bit of a reach. Or, or is it? I mean, again, back from the Aliens episode, um, you know, again, the time travelers, again, time travelers and the whole ripple effect or the butterfly effect, if you mm-hmm. will, you know, when you change something, even if it's something very little and drastic, um, you know, it could change something as as big as a, a spelling of a cartoon or... Yep. You know, there's something big as, like, uh, where the Statue of Liberty is. I don't know, man. I don't <laughs> think it's that far-fetched, if I'm being honest. Especially if, if they're fair. truly time travelers. Yeah. But it is fair. Um, <clears throat> but this is uh, quite possibly, I think, Chris's biggest pet peeve <laughs> in this whole Mandela effect thing. Um, and that is the last conspiracy that has to do with the Mandela effect, which is CERN. Now I'm going to, I don't uh, speak French. So first I'm going to butcher what it says as the French, um, why CERN is, is fuck it. Uh, Conseil European pour la recherche nucléaire or the European organization of nuclear research CERN. (laughs) <laughs> their mission <laughs> that's just that was brutal yeah yeah their mission that's okay. i couldn't I have done any better dude their mission is stated as one provide a unique range of particle accelerator facilities that enable research at the forefront of human knowledge two perform world-class research in fundamental physics three Unite people from all over the world to push the frontiers of science and technology for the benefit of all. In other words, CERN is one of the world's largest and most respected centers for scientific research. Its business is fundamental physics and finding out what the universe is made of and how it works. According to CERN. Respect my ass. No way, dude. Respect in my ass. Not by Chris. Not not Uh, respected by Chris. All right, look. It's impressive. Obviously, it's impressive because it's so beyond me and my comprehension that, like, I could never be doing what these guys are doing in there, right? I'm just not. I'm just not there. However, I hate it when there's a secretive anything like this going on. You know, telling secrets doesn't make friends. And when you're doing something that's so secretive in there that it could be really messing with our day-to-day lives, I don't know, man. It's just it's something something's fishy about CERN. And another thing, too, that I wanted to add about CERN is that it is just so interconnected with a lot of different uh, conspiracies out there, mm-hmm. including the the um, God. Uh, forgive me if I if I get this wrong, but the the cube, um, the cube from uh, the, the Muslim religion. Is it the Mecca cube? Is that oh, what it's called? I, don't, I have no idea. We'll, yeah, we'll look I've, into it. But like that's that's a big part of the like that's like one of their I don't want to say mascot because that's insulting but it's um basically it's like one I'm at a loss for words here but basically it's a symbol for CERN the black cube and it's all over around their their facility and uh, it just ties into the rings of Saturn it's it goes all over the damn place dude it's insane yeah we'll have to dive into that at some point yeah we'll we'll touch on that 
Um, well, and so that's that's kind of the thing, right? So CERN physicists and engineers at CERN use the world's largest and most complex scientific instruments to study basic cons- uh, constituents of matter, fundamental particles, right? So subatomic particles are made to collide together at close to the speed of light. So, you know, for that, like... What is what effect is that happening, right? Because are having on us, right? So it's supposedly a controlled environment, but the particles colliding at close to the speed of light is literally what like created our universe. Right, right. And just to keep that all behind closed doors and not have any open research right. notes or anything. Well, because like they that. don't. They answer to no government. They answer to no outside anything organization at all. So it's like. You know what I mean? It's it's mm-hmm. another one of those black budget. Yeah, they uh, could, they but they could be doing anything, and the effects of that we like they never have to divulge. It's like when when there's a friggin' car recall because like there's the only time a car gets recalled is because there's a memo saying, hey, by the way, this seatbelt is gonna break and millions of people are gonna die. We should recall this car. If mm-hmm. nobody says anything, people just start dying, and the car doesn't get recalled right you know what i mean like they take their freaking chances so these guys there's no like hierarchy that they're sending memos to so they're just like yeah let's just you know see what happens we'll collide these two particles and fuck it yeah yeah and who who cares what it does because we don't have to answer anybody right we'll just keep it quiet (laughs) right well and that's why like that's it you know all of this is is good and all but like what does it mean and that's essentially you know the question that we're asking is like so that's great that you guys are doing all this scientific research and and on the forefront of like figuring out the universe but at the same time what are you doing to earth or the people here like is it having any effects and there's no real way to find out but so the question really is is does the mandela effect just affect younger generations more than older generations and if so then how do we explain things like the looney tunes or the monopoly guy monocle right because that's a huge thing well that's not a huge thing but like does he have a monocle or doesn't he have a monocle yeah i mean most people would say yeah but but he he, doesn't he just does not have one there is no monocle on the monopoly guy but we all watched Ace Ventura too. We remember when he <laughs> exactly. punched that guy out. Exactly. He had a monocle. Or again, like we said before, the Oscar Mayer logo, right? It's M A Y E R, not M E Y E R, and and you know, so all items that technically are from Gen X or baby boomers. Um, yeah. You know, so could it be that millennials and Gen Z are just uninformed or a misinformed group? I, I, I think that's definitely a possibility, speaking but, as a millennial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely a possibility. Again, but there's again, too much, there's too much quote unquote evidence to just keep it at that. Right. And it's just so suspect again that yeah. it, it's it's a bunch of people who never have spoken to each other saying, no way, man, I remember something. Right. Else. These people are all meeting each other for the first time, unless they are actually furries, at which point they're probably meeting each other for you know multiple times but (laughs) (laughs) gotta shut the hot tub down (laughs) um the other question is is, was stephen king right you know did did this parallel universe are they collapsing on each other uh much like the wheel in his um dark tower series or 
possibly are people just stupid <laughs> and Maybe. you know the, these are all the questions and we're going to leave it up to you guys to decide um what you guys think um but that is essentially the mandela effect again we'll have um there's links and and photos and everything will be on uh, the youtube page um but that's all for this week's episode so if you have any urban legends or conspiracy theories that you think we should cover Feel free to email us at the number four guys media network at gmail.com. That's all one word. Uh, please make sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Click the like and subscribe buttons on YouTube on the four guys media network page or check us out on si- uh, SoundCloud by searching MIOH pod. It's all one word. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time on the Mystery in Our History podcast. Bye. Adios.